0: Everything changes in today's marketplace. Technology, competition, staff, and even clients. Everyone is doing business differently than they once did. The challenge many face is keeping up with the change. Welcome to Thriving in Uncertainty with your host, Meredith Elliott Powell. By learning from the insights and expertise of guests like those you'll hear today, you can thrive in ways you never thought possible. Now, here is Meredith Elliott Powell.
1: Welcome to Thriving in Uncertainty, the radio program where we cover the ideas, share the strategies, and implement the powerful tips you need to ensure you succeed no matter how the marketplace changes or what this economy does. I'm Meredith Elliott Powell, your host, and I'm excited about today's guest and our topic, the power of focus. Um, Our guest today is Brian Biro. He is America's breakthrough coach. He is one of the nation's foremost speakers and teachers on leadership, possibility thinking, thriving on change, and team building. He has delivered more than 1,300 presentations around the world, In the past 21 years, he is a former vice president of a major transportation corporation in the Pacific Northwest, and he has helped lead a major turnaround that resulted in the company quadrupling in revenues, becoming solidly profitable and being being named the leader in the air freight industry for customer service and convenience by Distribution Magazine. In his first career, Brian built one of the largest private swim teams in the U.S., numbering over 275 competitive swimmers, and his team finished in the top three on three occasions at the Junior National Championships. Listen, I could go on about Brian all day long, but I am also very lucky to get to call Brian both a friend and a mentor. I would not be doing what I am doing now if it not were not for Brian Byra. So welcome to the show, Brian.
2: Well, Mark Meredith, i love the chance to talk to you anytime and to, to talk where we can uh, hopefully affect a lot of people in a positive way. That just adds uh, chocolate sauce to the Sunday.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, you've got so many great topics to, um, to talk about, but I want I to start out for our listeners just giving us a little bit of a background um, uh, on you. I mean, here you start out in corporate America, but how did you get such a passion for the things that you teach and the things that you cover?
2: Well, it's really been my whole life. I love people, and I believe, I believe we can all change. I believe we can all get better. I believe that, um, that when we are humble, and humble is probably the most undertaught um, principle there is. Only when you're humble are you hungry to learn all the time. Um, because you don't believe you know it all. There's always something new to learn. And so um, I've always had that kind of a feeling. And I started off actually in athletics as a U.S. swimming coach. And, and it was a fantastic opportunity because you don't coach swimming, you coach people. And so it was, uh, it was really about helping young people discover um, who they really were, break through their fears and obstacles, break through conditioning that didn't serve them. And so uh, the only reason I ever left swim coaching was because I had no life. So that brought part two, which was a, a great passion for balance. And I'm probably the only guy, you know, Meredith, who ever went into, uh, into graduate school and to get an MBA to get a life instead of a job. <laughs> and I actually did. And so that's when I went to the corporate world. And that's when I really um, discovered that what I've done in coaching was a great fit for the corporate world. And also a dimension that grew inside of me, which was, our corporation, when I ended up becoming vice president, was, was kind of typical. Operations hated sales. Sales hated operations. They both hated the home office just a little bit more. Yeah, And it was so dysfunctional, and it just didn't make sense. Um, everyone was doing things that the other didn't want to do. We should be collaborating, building. And, and so I actually started doing my speaking within my own company because um, everybody said it's the market. Um, when we started to really suffer. And I said, no, it's us. It's the way that we don't support each other. It's the way that we've stopped thinking beyond um, what we already know. Um, and so these programs I started to develop were to, to really get us to to really be a, a synergized team. And it, and it worked. We had this incredible transformation. And, and I remember saying to my wife, Carol, we're doing great because the company had probably the greatest turnaround in the industry ever. And it just kept lasting. And and I said to her, honey, we're doing great. Let's quit. <laughs> I want to go do this. This is what i meant to do. So for now 29 years, uh, that, in- that intro is about 10 years old. And, um, for 29 years and over 1,800 events, I've been doing this work that I love so much, which is really about helping people break through. So passion. Okay.
1: You have said so much in, um, in that, that that I, that I want to jump on. And I want to start with um, Humble, humble being one of the most underrated or on taught um, or untaught skills. Talk a little bit more um, about that, why it's important to be humble, but how do you, how do you know if you're humble or how do you know if you're not
2: humble? Well, I think the key here is that people have a misconception about humility. They think being humble is kind of a shucks and, and, and oftentimes people think that if you're humble, you're not confident. That's not true. You can have tremendous confidence and be, to be tremendously humble because humble doesn't mean you think less of yourself. It means you think of yourself less. And, oh, that's so, great. and so the real key to humility and why, and this was an epiphany for me because um, my mentors, my, my, my chief mentor in my life was the greatest coach of all time. John Wooden. Um, he was the UCLA basketball coach, but um, even better person than he was a coach. And you know, he's, he's, he's a legend. He's, if you ask anyone who knows the sport, who is the greatest of all time? They're going to say John Wooden on the men's side, and they're going to maybe, probably say Pat Summit on the women's yeah. side. And um, both of them. And I've come to know Pat Summit, though she passed away. I've written a book about both John Wooden's Pyramid of Success and Pat Summit's what she called Definite Dozen. These were their foundational principles on which they, they taught. That, and both of them would say they were teachers. Never They would, never say they were coaches first. They always say they were teachers first.
1: Hmm. But
2: both of them were remarkably humble. And what I mean by that was they always wanted to get better. They always believed there was something new to learn. They always believed that, that if something broke through what they had thought in the past was right and it made more sense, they would much rather be willing to change than to have to be right. Um, hmm. And so – to me, humility is really about looking at every situation, every person, uh, every quote unquote failure or setback, and saying, "Wow, what can I learn from this? You know, wh- how, would I, how would I do this differently if indeed if indeed it was a mistake that you made? It's really being w- willing in fact eager to say, that what worked today maybe won't be the same thing that works tomorrow. And, and being able to jump on that principle that most people don't do, which is if it's not working, try something different. Um, both of them were shining examples of constantly doing that, even though they are the greatest of all time. And to me, the beauty of that is, is it demonstrates that humility not only is neat, because it helps bring out other people it works
1: yeah you know I think that it's um I, I, I love that point is that um I love the fact that you said humility is you know is thinking of yourself less but it's also a very people who are humble are strong and confident and there's just a something that really radiates off of them I did a I did a speaking engagement a couple of months ago for this um, very large corporation. It was a family-owned company, but they're, they ranked number three in their industry in the country. And the moment that I got there to do the presentation, the chairman of the board, who was um, – you know the grandson of the of the of the founder. He's well into his seventies now. He immediately greeted me, and I was shocked because I was there for a seven thirty a.m. presentation. And this gentleman is on the billionaires list. But he greeted me. He said, "I said, he said, I'm so excited to be here. I've gotten a front row seat. I can't wait to hear what you have to say and what you've got to teach me about leadership." Thinking <laughs> you know, to myself, I don't have anything to teach you about leadership. You know, look what you've done. But that was his attitude, which spoke volumes about his company.
2: It, it absolutely does. I mean, and if you if you really look at those that have that uh, you admire the most, I, oftentimes it's humility that shines most. Because when you're humble, you're not driven by the need for approval, mm-hmm. and the need for approval is the most crippling need in life. Um, first of all, it's it's a uh, it's a never ending failure because. Whenever you are driven by the need for everybody saying nice things about you, by, you know, wanting to get your, your your scores more than anything else, what happens is it's never good enough. You have a moment of, oh, it's okay. Oh, yeah. And then what if I'm not as good tomorrow? And so, and you can't control it. And I love the, the whole focus of your show, which to me is about controlling your controllables. Yes. And so when you have that attitude that everyone's a teacher and you, and you get to the point where you're easy to impress but hard to offend. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you are really on a pathway to being a a, a tremendous leader who lifts other people. You know, one of the things I love about my programs and about the way that I've kind of developed my speaking is I want, by the end of my program, the participants to be the stars, not me, the speaker. I want them to apply what we've learned, do something they didn't know they could do, almost forget me as the speaker Right. And, and realize, because what I'm trying to do is help them see that part of them that they didn't see before, that they can do things they never dreamed of, that they are not overachievers, that they have tremendous capacity. So the whole idea of humility ties really into service. And I think perhaps the, the best quote I've ever heard about service was Mother Teresa, makes sense. And hers, she simply said, service is love and action. And, oh, that's a great quote. And, and I don't believe you're truly loving unless you're humble and you love to serve.
1: Yeah. You know, you, um, when you were talking about um, corporate and you were talking about, you know, what you did in your company and, and you started speaking yeah. inside to get people to work together, I, I, I really, that really resonated with me because when I first joined corporate, I remember saying to my boss, I don't think we need competitors because we're so busy competing, with one another, um, that, that, that just really, um, why are silos such an issue in organizations today? And it doesn't matter, you can be massive, or you can go to the small mom and pop operation, but it's, it's just always a challenge to get people to collaborate and work together.
2: Yeah, it really is. And, and the reason is, is that we are conditioned to think that differences are bad. Mm. And to me, differences are, are magnificent. In other words, I don't want to have a team of people who see only what I see because we won't see very much. Right. We see, from my perspective, and that's a narrow perspective, even though you know, I've been alive forever. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I want the people who are good at things that I'm not so good at. I want the people who are uh, passionate about areas that I'm not as passionate about. Then, if we tie it towards a common goal, um, you know that we both we both want our company to be great. It's uncondu- it's amazing what you can get accomplished when nobody cares who gets the credit. Um, in in that in my uh, uh, my corporate career, it's kind of amazing because uh, I was the vice president of what we call performance planning. Now that re- stretched across mark- marketing, sales, and um, and strategic planning. Um, so I was the number. Uh, you know, two or three guy in the company. Next door to me was the VP of operations, the COO. Um, So we were about 18 inches apart, and it might as well have been the Great Wall of China. (laughs) And this is where I really learned a lot about this. Um, And part of the reason was because, um, first of all, we had never been together unless we had to be. If we were, in, you know, we were in constant meetings and he'd sit on his side and, said, and, and we pretended to get along. Well, it didn't work at all. And then finally, one day I started to really move into this this understanding that differences aren't bad. That's something I've been conditioned. Differences are good. His way of, of working was he was a very analytical person who really dug into what wasn't working and tried to dig into it. Mine was sort of like sort of the visionary dude going, always looking out in front and going, hey, why not? You know, thinking. Yeah possibility and so we our personalities were very different he was very quiet very um you know very intense and I'm always laughing and you know I'm a goofball and and um one day I walked into his office with no agenda and truthfully I never sat in his office for more than a minute before wow and, and I for the first time I looked around and I saw pictures of his family and and I sat in that office and I was simply fully present with him not with an agenda of what we're going to get done, but just to be there and to connect and to be present, which says to him that in that time we were together, he was important. He wasn't a, a, you know, a big block in front of me. I had to find a way around. When I left that room an hour later, I found out you know I was running marathons at the time. He was a long-distance bicyclist. We didn't know that. We started to talk about you know We understood what it took to train and to, and to do that kind of work. But what I came away with was most of all and understand he loved our company and our people every bit as much as i did we just went at it differently Mm -hmm. from that moment forward i never had a sales or marketing meeting without operations present from that moment forward he never had an operations meeting without having us present and our company had the most incredible turnaround in every dimension. You can for profitability, we went off the off the charts. We became the fastest growing company in our industry. This is a company that's been around forever, incidentally. We became the largest freight forwarder to and from Hawaii. Um, because our, our market in Alaska had, dribb- had dribbled up because of oil prices. And right. and that was our big industry. And everybody thought we were paralyzed. Well, we got better in every dimension. We became the number one company in our industry for service and convenience. And I'm convinced that it was because we stopped thinking differences were bad and started to appreciate what each brought to the table. And it just kept going even after I left. So it's really starting young and helping kids to understand that if somebody looks at the world differently than I am, there's something to learn there. It's not bad. It's yeah. just what can I learn? How can we discuss? How can we really understand one another? And how can we put those differences to make a richer whole?
1: Mm-hmm. I heard a quote one time that talking about um, differences, and I can't even remember who it was, but they said that their mother had taught them that you've got to think about when somebody is passionate about their idea and you're passionate about your idea that they, they're, they're seeing themselves as right and as just and as committed as you are. Absolutely. And, the, and there's, and there's got to be something there. Um, you know, if even that's even the bridge that you begin to build, it's starting to begin to see that. I can't tell you how many times the fact that somebody sees something differently has actually ended up saving me.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And, and and you know another thing that I think we're losing in our culture that I hope we can really get back and have your show be the springboard to yeah. it is, is we must remember that we can disagree without being disagreeable. Yes. Uh, that um again, if I only learn the things I've already learned, I haven't learned. Yes. That's right. <laughs> And, and how am I going to learn if I don't discover things that are different, different ways of looking at it? So, um, you know, to me, the, the, the concept of everything we talked about kind of rolls together is that humility allows you to be open. Open allows you to consider other viewpoints and consider even if you don't embrace everything they say. Maybe there's something in there that can enrich, enrich, in your, enrich your whole. And as we do that, we begin to create a sense of loyalty, a sense of connection, a sense of, of um, I, 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 I trust you because I know you are committed just as I am. And again, that's something that organizations need to work on. That's why the most important element in, in business today is culture. Yes. It's all about culture. It's all about creating a culture of kindness, a culture of, of engagement, a culture of respect, a culture of – and, and we got to do this in a big way because we're losing it on a, on a um, I will say, a political scale. It's time to get it back
1: I, I absolutely agree, and that's a great transition. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk about um, culture, and I want to talk about focus. What um, what individuals should focus on? What companies should focus on? So um, hold on, um, listeners, come right back with us, and we will do another segment with the amazing Brian Byro.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to learn
0: the business strategies you need to succeed no matter what this economy does? Are you interested in learning how the top organizations and how successful leaders are making change work for their companies and using uncertainty as their greatest competitive advantage? Then join the thousands of business owners, sales professionals, and entrepreneurs who have found the answers. Business growth expert, Meredith Elliott Powell, author of Thrive, Strategies for Success in Uncertainty, offers powerful keynotes, workshops, and training courses for organizations and leaders of sales professionals looking to take their companies to the next level. Voted a Top 15 Business Growth Expert to Watch and Top 40 Motivational Speaker. Meredith coaches executives, trains next-level leaders, and builds sales teams in her innovative three-step proven system to thrive in uncertainty. To learn more, go to valuespeaker.com. To speak with Meredith directly, book Meredith to speak and learn more about her training programs. That's valuespeaker.com. Visit today. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. With co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless, Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies,
0: You're listening to Thriving in Uncertainty. If you have a question or comment about our program, Meredith would love to hear from you. Her email address is M-E-R-E at valuespeaker.com. Again, that's M-E-R-E at valuespeaker.com. Now back to Thriving in Uncertainty.
1: Welcome back to Thriving in Uncertainty, the radio program where we cover the ideas, share the strategies, and implement the powerful tips you need to ensure you succeed no matter what this marketplace does, we are back with Brian Byro, the uh, America's Breakthrough Coach. And right before the break, we were talking about culture and talking about things. Focus. Really talking about how culture is the most important things that um, that companies can focus on today. But Brian, I want to start out with um, focus, and the reason that I wanted to talk to you about focus is because I think it is one of the most challenging things to do in today's marketplace. I mean. You know, every time you turn around, you've got a new piece of technology, you've got another shiny object, you're worried about what your competitors are doing. I mean, this morning I was listening to the news and they're talking about Facebook coming out with currency um, mm-hmm. sometime in the next year. And all I could think about is all the financial institutions I work with today and how unfocused they are probably going to be worried about that um, new currency. So talk to us a little bit about the power and, and importance of focus.
2: Well... You know, I've, I've built my, um, my model that I teach. is called Breakthrough Leadership. I believe we're all leaders. Um, how you show up every day, huge part of leadership. How do you deal with adversity, prosperity, change? Um, how, what kind of impact do you have on people? And so um, I've worked on this for more than 40 years through all my three careers. And it's really con- congealed down to a really simple model. And the first piece of that model is all about focus. And, it's called, and it simply says we must shape the future. Not wait for the future, shape the future. And um, and it's really vital to understand that. I often ask in my seminars or in the beginning and still get the same answer all the time. What is the largest, because we're always in a hotel, right? Yeah. Uh, hotel. What's the largest hospitality company in the world, hotel company in the world today? People say Marriott, Bonvoy, uh, Hilton. It's Airbnb. They oh. were not here 10 years ago. And then I ask, well, I know you know this one. What's the largest private train? in the world? last night after you went out to a few drinks it's uber they yeah. weren't and well you just change and these new currencies which many people believe is going to absolutely completely transform the world more than the internet many people are saying about blockchain so if you wait for the future the future's going to run you over so but how do you control that on an individual level how do you control the controllable called focus well two principles number one what you focus on is what you create. Now, there's a big difference than what most people have been taught. Someone's heard something like that, but most people have heard what we focus on is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is, until you add personal responsibility to focus, till you take charge of your focus, Do you understand what you focus on is a choice, uh, then um, what you focus on becomes, what you focus on is what you create. So it becomes important to begin to focus on what you wanna create instead of what you don't want. Uh, That's number one. Second principle, almost everyone I know rarely uses their vision to see. They don't use their focus. What they use is their memory and conditioning. And you know this because you've been in my events before. I always ask, what color is a yield sign? So everybody listen, what color is a yield sign? (laughs) 99.8% of the people I've ever said this to, every single group says yellow. Well, they've been red and white for more than 45 years. (laughs) And so... Where does that matter the most? Where does focus matter the most? People. Change the way you look at people. The people you look at change. Change the way you look at yourself. The self you see will change. Um, great example um, about how focus transforms the way you deal with people and deal with your life. When, when my oldest daughter Kelsey went away to college, oh my gosh, we missed her so much. But you talk about seeing a yield sign for the first time of waking in focus. When she came home the first time from college for Thanksgiving holiday, I finally had a breakthrough. I finally realized how long I had been focusing on my daughter, looking at my daughter as if she were an old yellow yield sign. I've been looking at her like she's a little 11, 12-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. She'd been driving her own car for two and a half years. Every morning, she's waking up hundreds of miles away, deciding what she's going to do with the greatest gift we're all given called today. And she walked in the door and announced that she had already applied for and had been accepted to go to a special service program in Ghana, in Africa, because Kelsey wants to make the world better. And I looked at my daughter. I shifted my focus, maybe for the first time, and I finally realized that every time I looked at her as if she were an old yellow yield sign, using my memory to see her, what happened to our relationship? Yeah, it went backwards. Terrible. I looked at the the magnificent, courageous, strong, wonderful human being that was standing right in front of me. So here's the foundation of everything that uh, that I consider important about focus. We must focus on what we want instead of what we don't want. And most people focus more on what they don't want.
1: Yeah, I would. I mean, I would definitely agree with that. So let's I love this example. Um, I loved listening to this. You know, you switching your focus on how you think about your daughter. But take me inside. Let's let's be people. um, You know, we've got we've got a mortgage. We've got a car payment. We've got, you know, kids heading to college and we are just in what we feel is a dead-end job and that's what we focus on every day is, oh my gosh, I can't get up, I can't deal with this anymore or I own a business and I'm worried that Amazon is just going to enter my space. What are some things that I can do to shift my focus? Because I because I really, um, again, I just love this subject because I, I do believe that it is what you focus on is what you see and it is what you move towards. And I don't think we have even begun to strip back how powerful and important it is. Oh, it,
2: it, it truly is. That's why I use the metaphor of the board breaking. Why I have people break boards. So I had, you know, three quarters of a million people break boards. And 99% of breaking through is shifting your focus from the board to the breakthrough. Wow. Uh, everyone focuses on the board because it's there. And what you just described, the person who's feeling like I'm in a dead-end job, the person who's thinking about Amazon, We're focusing on the board. We're focusing on exactly what we don't want. And more importantly, we're focusing on exactly what we don't control. Mm. Uh, When you your show about thriving in the times of uncertainty, there's only one answer to that. (laughs) You've got to focus on what you do control and not what you don't control. Mm -hmm. So instead of focusing on my dead-end job, start to focus on your choice. Do I do I love this work? Um, what do I love about it? What would I want to do different? Um, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? What would I do if, um, if tomorrow um, I was given a, a huge, uh, a, a, a huge you know, uh, lift in my position? What would I, how would I handle it? And start to move in that direction, start to focus more consistently on what you do want. In other words, focus, when I have people writing on their boards, the front of the board is the obstacle. Mm. Okay? Um, let me give you a perfect example. I'm a five-year-old kid. Okay. I'm riding a bicycle, all right, for the very first time, all right. I, I'm training wheels are off today. Dad's letting me go. <laughs> wobbling and I'm wobbling and I'm and and I'm going. But right in front of me on the road is a big old rock. I'm five years old. What do I look at? The rock. Yeah. What happens? I fall. I hit the rock. I fall over. I walk by dad like I'm cool. I go to mom and go. i Okay. Now now it's the same kid. Two weeks later, bigger rock but now I'm cool. What goes around the rock first? Yeah. Eyes, focus. So the big transformation for that person who is struggling is to stop focusing on the cancer,
0: mm-hmm. is to
2: stop focusing on what you don't want because it consumes you and it becomes what you create, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it takes practice and it takes, it takes concentration and it takes uh, energy and it's still a choice, mm-hmm. uh, and you can start to, to start to work at. Am I focusing on consistently on what I want to do? Uh, uh, Meredith, I once spoke for a company that had been known as a maverick in the pharma industry that they would never sell to the big guys, um, and I was hired for, by them in um, October, in September, and I was going to speak to them in November, and in October they sold to the big guy. And that meant that 80% of those people um, were pretty certain they wouldn't have a job left. Now, there's a wonderful speaking environment. <laughs> yeah, right, right. A great time for a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole concentrate, you know, I, I knew I, I couldn't just skirt around this. So the p- beginning of the program was about, you know, every one of you in here is just overwhelmed with uncertainty. What mm-hmm. does this mean to me? Am I going to have a job? What's going to be to my family? And I say that if you focus on those things, it'll eat you up. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to you. And I know that many of you will not have jobs as you've had here before. So today is about focusing on what you do control, your effort, your energy, your attitude, what you put in. And that is a magical ingredient for creating momentum in your life, which starts to stimulate creativity, which starts to stimulate energy, which starts to stimulate positive direction. So um, it's about focusing on what you do control. My mentor, again, John Wooden, the greatest of all time, never said the words winning or losing to his players. Wow. He want to win? Oh, yeah. But what he wanted was them to focus on what they control, their effort, their energy, and their attitude. And he used to wink it and say, if you do that enough, you'll be just fine. Never mm-hmm. once in 27 years at UCLA. How many people do that? How many people focus only on winning, which is out of what he was trying to say. Is, you don't control that. What you control is what you put in to move towards that goal. Mm -hmm. And if you focus on those things, you'll be better at them. And more importantly, here's the beauty of this. As you shift your focus to what you want, as you shift your focus to your effort, your energy, your attitude, your presence, you generate momentum. Momentum feeds confidence. Confidence feeds momentum. And you begin an upward spiral where you feel hopeful. You start to feel faith. You start to move from fear to freedom, from failure to faith, from ego to ego.
1: Oh, that's, um, you know, when we're going to take one more break and when we come back, I want to continue this, um, conversation of momentum and continue the conversation around, um, Uh, uncertainty you have hit so beautifully into why I started this show and what I want to focus on and some really great tips as to exactly what we need to um, to do to not only push through it but as like the show says thrive so we'll be back in one minute with unfortunately our last and final segment with Brian Byrow but this is a segment you are not going to want to miss so we'll see you in a minute.
3: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit
2: voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
0: Are you ready to learn the business strategies you need to succeed no matter what this economy does? Are you interested in learning how the top organizations and how successful leaders are making change work for their companies and using uncertainty as their greatest competitive advantage? Then join the thousands of business owners, sales professionals, and entrepreneurs who have found the answers. Business growth expert, Meredith Elliott Powell, author of Thrive, Strategies for Success in Uncertainty, offers powerful keynotes, workshops, and training courses for organizations and leaders of sales professionals looking to take their companies to the next level. Voted a Top 15 Business Growth Expert to Watch and Top 40 Motivational Speaker. Meredith coaches executives, trains next level leaders and builds sales teams in her innovative three-step proven system to thrive in uncertainty. To learn more, go to valuespeaker.com. To speak with Meredith directly, book Meredith to speak and learn more about her training programs. That's valuespeaker.com. Visit today.
3: It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? see rioting from so-called experts, and don't know what we should follow and what we should avoid. Now, there's a program to sort everything out. The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman is the program that provides actual best practices, insights, and real-world solutions that help business executives, technology executives, managers, and staff using straightforward talk. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are listening to Thriving in Uncertainty. If you have a question or comment about our program, Meredith would love to hear from you. Her email address is M-E-R-E at valuespeaker.com. Again, that's M-E-R-E at valuespeaker.com. Now back to Thriving in Uncertainty.
1: And welcome back to our final segment of Thriving in Uncertainty, the radio program where we cover the ideas, share the strategies, and implement the powerful tips you need to ensure you succeed no matter what this economy does. So I wanna welcome back Brian Byrow and we were just having a stimulating conversation about uncertainty. Brian, the reason that I started the show and that I wanted to interview amazing guests like you is because the more and more that I worked in organizations, I would walk in and say, how are things going? And they would say, everything's going great. I mean, the company's growing, the team's doing well, but, ugh this uncertainty, as if uncertainty was always the major obstacle, it was a negative, it was the thing that they were worried about where they were going to go off the cliff. And I thought, what if we flip the script on that? I mean, does uncertainty always have to be, uh, you know, a negative? So I want to start there. And I want to talk about we're talking about focus and talking about uncertainty. But why are we programmed to see uncertainty as a negative?
2: Well, I think it's all about fear. You know, the greatest fear that we have is about uncertainty and it's, again, it's programming, it's conditioning. Um, we've been conditioned that change is scary. We've been conditioned that change is bad. I often think to myself though, what are the best things that ever happened to me in my yeah. life? And every one of them was a change becoming a grandparent most recently. Yeah. change. I, I couldn't have even been prepared for how much I love it. Um, when I jumped off the deep end from coaching and without knowing where I was going, best thing that ever happened to me at the time. These were massive changes. Um, and the, the, the conditioning we've had, though, is that change is bad or change is scary. Um, and as soon as you focus on that, what you focus on is the fear. Mm-hmm. So what we're talking about, when uncertainty and fear are, are absolutely connected. And the greatest of all fears for money people is uncertainty. Instead, what we've got to do is shift that script. Where is the opportunity in this, in, in this change? What would I how, could I, how could I change, how can I not only adapt to change? See, there's so much talk about change management. Yeah. And to me, change management is the wrong focus. Because that's about, that's about reaction. Yeah. That's about, okay, the changes hit us, how are we going to deal with it? Rather than change leadership which says, constantly is stretching to say, how can we get better? Is, in other words, leading change. In other words, creating the change and getting excited about that innovation and that process. So, you know, we've got to start this, again, with every, this is a cultural thing. It's building into an organization a sense that um, if we, number one, if we don't change, we're going to fail. Yeah. That's for sure. Okay. Number two, change is fun because it makes us grow. It's just like that we talked about humility and focus. As you open up, you discover things you never knew before. So shifting to a focus that says we are, you know I love it with the word thriver, we're change thrivers. Mm -hmm. And how do we do that? We focus on our effort, our energy, our presence. This is the most important thing to dealing with uncertainty is to be fully present. Because uncertainty comes when we worry too much about the past and we're scared to death of the future. Neither of which we can change or control. What we can do is be fully present. And so every great leader, every great parent, every great person I've ever known, if there's one ingredient above all that they share, it is that they are fully present. Mm -hmm. And what that means is when you're with people, 100% of your mind, body, and spirit is with that person where they are now. And whenever you are present with people, you say to them that they're important. You say to them that they're significant beyond words. And it's unfakeable. You can't fake being present (laughs) instantly when you're not. Yeah. The the other secret to being fully present, two things. One, it's the foundation of building trust and trust defeats uncertainty Mm -hmm. because trust is is the foundation of faith. And faith is the foundation of looking at uncertainty and saying, let it come, baby. Mm All right. And so when you're fully present, when you start to focus on, Being with the people you're with where they are now. Um, When you start to shift to when you go to meetings, leave the cell phone out. Don't bring it. We're present with our cell phones. We're not present with one another. Yeah. As you start to do that, you gain a sense of peace. And that peace allows you to look at change as wonderful opportunity.
1: You know something that um, I, I think that just like being humble is something that's undervalued. I think we really undervalue being present. I remember when I first um, when I first became a coach, and uh, I had this one leader that um, instructor that really made an impact on me. And she told me she said, um, "When you get into a coaching session, the most important thing you can be is present." And she said the reason is because if you are present, the right answers the right things to say will always rise up out of you and I remember it wasn't long after I'd been in a, um, in a course with her and I'm one-on-one with this CEO that I'm coaching who is intimidating the bejeebies out of me. You know, I mean, he just had accomplished so much and, you know, your insecurities pop up thinking, why has he hired me as a coach? And I remember thinking, just be present, just be present. And then all of a sudden, the most brilliant things came out of my mouth that there's no way I could have spent hours and days trying to, to come up with them. But when you are present... You just really tap into the best of you.
2: I remember uh, working with a beautiful woman named Meredith Elliott Powell (laughs) in my house when she was developing as a speaker. And I had no, um, I mean, I I already knew you. We were friends. Um, I was already impressed with you. Um, But I didn't know where we were going to go or what you were going to talk about. And so it's exactly the same scenario you just described. And. When I am when I'm working with someone, that's my only my only focus is to be fully present. It's the present focus, and to know that what needs to come will come. Mm-hmm. And and it did. I remember, you know, I don't know whether you remember these. I epiphany. do.
1: I remember. I can see. I can see me sitting um on the couch in your office.
2: And it was an epiphany for you about going a little deeper. Yeah, about, of telling your real story about breaking it from. Um, it's about moving from 18 inches from your head yes. to your heart. And um, I had no idea that was coming. That came solely from simply being present with, with another human being in that moment. And it, you're right. You'll know. It will come. Um, if you listen first without trying to think you're supposed to say. See, we're conditioned also that, that we're supposed to tell instead of ask. Yeah. And the opposite is far more important. Ask instead of tell. Tell. Yeah. And then before you formulate what your response is. And what happens is <clears throat> your, your real essence will connect with that other person's essence. You will, you, and to me, this is the most important thing when it comes to being a professional speaker, mm-hmm. is, is being fully present. Because that's when the good stuff comes. Stuff yeah. go, Holy cow, I never said that before. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it is something that, that people feel. And I think it's almost more powerful now because, my gosh, we are so distracted. You know, it, it is rare that you, are, um, that you are talking to somebody that they aren't fooling with a phone, that they aren't answering an email, that they're not, you know, that they aren't doing something else. And it's even in, um, you know, sometimes people could be tweeting or putting something on Facebook about something that is happening in the moment. But not too long ago, we were on vacation and we were taking this beautiful hike. And I remember my husband saying to me, you know, it's really sad because all anybody was doing was taking pictures. And he thought, why don't you just stop and enjoy the hike? Exactly. Rather than taking all the photos to go home and look at the photos to remember the hike, just stop and just enjoy the hike.
2: It's so important. And, and you know, even more so when, when we, we, we've got to come back to an understanding of communication. Mm-hmm. Communication, the, the banner study done at UCLA, 55% of communication is physiology. It's, it's, not, it's, it's your body language. Yeah. 38% is tonality. So it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Only 7% is words. <laughs> right. When we live on text and Twitter and even email, we're leaving out 93% of what connects. And the only way it can connect is when you're fully present. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I've loved this. My children taught me this. My children, when I were eight and three years old, came into my office one night, and I have been teaching being present, so, you know. <laughs> of I, course, of course you had. <laughs> instead of doing what I, my life was about at that time, to tuck them in, love them, let them know how wonderful they are. I was about to get on the phone again, and these, this was before cell phones. This was like phones actually plugged into the wall. You probably don't remember that, but that's yeah, that. I do, I do. <laughs> And anyways, my daughters got my attention and said, Daddy, do you love your phone more than you love us? Whoa. Oh. <laughs> well, I will tell you, I tucked my daughters in that night. Uh-huh. And I never missed another night when I was home. Yeah. I never missed one of their dance recitals. I never missed one of their school events. If I had an event that was going to be booked on a date where I knew something was coming, I would not take it. hmm And I thought I was doing it for them, Meredith. Do you know that every dimension of my life professionally skyrocketed from that moment? Because they taught me there's nothing more important than being fully present. Because with every human being, it says to them what our job is. What is, you you and I do similar work. What's our job? Our job is to help the people that we lead, serve, and love to know they're important. Mm -hmm. When people feel important, they rise. When people feel important, they're going to focus on possibility instead of limit. When people feel unimportant and insignificant and they don't matter, they focus on the board. They focus on what they don't want. They focus on quitting, leaving, or disrupting. Yeah. And, and so uh, this, is, this is the essence of where we connect, the essence of where we build, the essence of where we, we, have the, we make the most of a, of a really rich life.
1: You know, I think that, um, you know, when you talk about that groundbreaking study with UCLA, you know, whether, you, whether you're like us and you get on stage or speak, or whether you're, you know, a, you own a business and you speak to your employees, there, is, there are a few words that we say that, quite frankly, somebody couldn't Google to learn the same thing. Um, so so it is all in our presence and our tone and um and our energy and um and the power of uh of getting that um getting that across. One thing that I love about this crazy age that we live in and how much technology there is and how many ways that we can communicate and the fact that I could have multiple relationships in my life without ever leaving my house or ever physically seeing a human being it is becoming more and more important. This whole idea of emotional connection and this whole idea of relationship—I feel like they that, that. When you can go back to those basics, that's where you're finding your opportunity
2: to grow your company. It, it absolutely is. It's what will—it's what will build the momentum. It's what will build an extraordinary level of loyalty. You, you know, in the fast, the quick service food industry, the average turnover annually is 170 percent. So they turn over <laughs> times per year. Two companies blow that away. Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, their annual turnover is 14 and 24%. Now, wow. in financial terms, you go, wow, Why? how do they do that? They focus on presence and kindness right, and respect yeah. and, and to each other as much as to the customer. Mm-hmm. You, know the, you know the annual turnover rate at Southwest Airlines? 1%. Mm-hmm. Wow. Know? You know how many layoffs they've had in 46 years in the most volatile industry, where every single airline has has laid off thousands of people. They've had zero layoffs. Wow! And that that focus is on kindness. It's on presence. It's on fun. It's on these are emotional connectors, Mm -hmm. and that's why it works. It's not just fun. It's not just nice. I have a new program I do called it's called Breakthrough to Kindness, and I've just, just I've studied uh-huh. the effects of kindness, and it's un- unbelievable how it not only is a nice thing, it works, but it works to bring us together, and that you know, together we may be many, but only when we, oh, separately we may be many, but together we are much.
1: Yeah, that is such a great segue to, Unfortunately, we are at the end of this show. I feel like this has gone like wildfire. I know, I know. But Brian, tell our listeners how they can um, they can get a hold of you to learn more about you, learn about um, your programs, because. Really, we have just scratched the surface of all the amazing things you can do.
2: Well, thank you, Meredith. You know the easiest way—just go to my website. It's BrianByro.com. Don't try to say it because it's never going to come out. All eyes: B-R-I-A-N-B-I-R-O. And it has on my books. Um, I, I love to write. Um, it's got you know my. My real passion now, and especially as I'm moving up uh, in, in, in age, is to reach as many people as I can with this focus on on that they are leaders and about being a breakthrough leader and about moving from fear to freedom, from failure to faith, and from ego to ego. So that's that's my heart. That's my passion. And you know, I'm going to keep going until I need to bring three people with me, one for each side <laughs> and one in the back, so I don't fall backwards. Um, but uh, I, I love what I do more than ever. And 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 I love it because not of what comes back. I love it because. The way I feel when I'm doing what I'm doing and it, it, it's amazing when I'm speaking I'm 25 years old as soon as I'm done I'm back to 64 <laughs> I'm 25 no aches no pains just joy
1: well, you are amazing for 64, and I really encourage my listeners to check out BrianByro.com. See there, I said it. I mean, Brian has amazing books. His programs are incredible, and he's even got um, some online um, opportunities for those of you who may not get a chance to go out and, um, and see him in person. So again, thank you, Brian, for being our guest today, and I want to uh, reserve the right to have you back on again because I don't feel like we have even touched into all the different things that we can uh, we can talk about. Meredith, you know
2: I would do do anything for you. I adore you. You do great work. You're so much of what I teach is is exemplified. So I hope all your audiences recognize that that you, who you are is the essence of energy, focus, humility, kindness, joy, and um, and it's, so it's it's an honor.
1: Well, thank you, and thank all of our listeners for um, another episode of Thriving in Uncertainty, and we will we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Thriving in Uncertainty. Please join your host, Meredith Elliott Powell, for another program next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, embrace the change in your business and yourself.